Hannah, Angie, Trevor, thank you so much for those wonderful songs. Morning, everyone. How are you? Praise the Lord. Uh, I'm going to embarrass somebody. We have a special guest here today. Uh, Teresa Matt is here. Uh, she's been Jamie's riding coach for how many years? About nine years. Uh, she's, new, you know, she's watched Jamie grow and a uh, riding coach and just a wonderful friend. Her and Jamie have just bonded so much through the years. I'm just so grateful she's here. Uh, Teresa attends the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Timmins. And just to tell you a story, yesterday, uh, yesterday was a fall fair and they had a riding show there. And they had, so the flat competition and then the jumping. At, and at the end, they had uh, the jump off. I've never watched a jump off before. It's exciting. But when your own daughter's in it, it's scary. <laughs> so they start off at, what, do you start, what height do you start off at, Teresa? Pardon? Two foot three. So, by, so then they go up three inches every time. And then just, wow. And there's five of them. They're jumping, wow. And Jamie's on this giant horse named Apache. Wow. And they get to three seven and, you know, three seven and it's high. And you see your daughter jump over and like, wow. And I look at Cynthia and I say, I think I pooped a little. <laughs> this is scary. So, but yeah, so it was, it was a, she's a welcome to our church. I'm so glad you could uh, share in the word of the Lord with us today. It was wonderful. So John chapter seven. Um, you know, John wrote in the end of his, at the end of his gospel that uh, he wrote these things so that you may know that Jesus is the Messiah and that through him you may have eternal life. Believing in him you may have eternal life. And John has uh, absolutely done this in his gospel. The more I study, the more I read it, it's like, wow. Jesus is just jumping off every page. And especially these last, these middle chapters here, chapters 5, 6, 7, 8, we learn so much about Jesus. And these are the chapters where we have, uh, Jesus has so much conflict, right, with the Pharisees and the scribes and, and these church leaders. And I remember thinking, uh, as a young Christian starting to read the Gospels, and really, more controversy, really? But now that, you know, more mature Christian, you read it and they're like, these chapters are like precious gems of theology, aren't they? Theology from the very mouth of, of, of the Lord Jesus himself, talking about, you know, who he is and who sent him, why he's here, uh, um, you know, his authority and his testimony and his teachings are just, um, yeah, just so thankful that John included these in, in, in his Gospels and the Holy Spirit inspired him to do so. So reading from John chapter 7, verse 1. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He, didn't, he did not want to go about in, in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish uh, festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brother said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea, so that your disciples there may see the works that you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore Jesus told them, My time is not yet here, for for you... Any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I am not going up to the festival yet because my time has not yet fully come. After he had said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went up also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, Where is he? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, he is a good man. Others said, no, he deceives the people. 
but no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the leaders. Not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews there were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having been taught? Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does not that does so to gain personal glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? You are demon possessed, the crowd answered. Who is trying to kill you? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle, and you were all amazed. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses but from the patriarchs, you circumcise a boy on the Sabbath. Now if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you, why are you angry with me for healing a man's whole body on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere, mere appearance, but instead judge correctly. Our Father in heaven, we're just so grateful again for these precious gems that you've given to us. These, uh, the, just this look into the life of, of our Savior, the Lord Jesus, and, uh, and the world that he lived in, and the people that surrounded him. Just a wonderful glimpse of, uh, of his of disciples, of his family, and those who had opposition against him. And Lord Father, and just, uh, just these wonderful words that he, he has for these people and, and for us. Now, today, 2,000 years later, that we may learn, that we may know of him, that we may know of you, Father, and have life in his name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So after, after this, uh, John writes, so this is after, so Jesus had um, fed, fed the thousand, walked on the water, was in Capernaum uh, teach, teaching there, and uh, Trevor spoke on the, the latter part of chapter 6 there last week. So now we have Jesus still in Galilee in the north. <clears throat> um, and he did not want to go to Judea because he, knew, he was aware of the plot of the Jews, that the, that the Jews wanted to kill him. Right? It all stemmed from John chapter 5 when in Jerusalem Jesus made a sick, sick man, uh, they healed a sick man, and the man buying, lying by the pool of Bethesda by the sheep gate. Right? And, and, um, and it was on the Sabbath. So the Jews were, were angry with him. Why are you healing on the Sabbath? You're breaking the, on, on the Sabbath, right? And Jesus replied, well, my father's been working till this day, and I too have been working. Now, so now the Jews are even more angry, right? Because he made himself equal to God. This is blasphemy. This is under the law that this, this man should be stoned to death, right? So the Jews are plotting to kill Jesus. Jesus knows. So he's spending most of his ministry now up in, up in northern Israel and Galilee. But the Feast of Tabernacles comes. And... Um, Jesus, born and raised in a pious uh, Jewish family, we see, you know, we just assume that they always ten, attended the festivals. We get a glimpse into that when Jesus was 12, that his family attended the, the festival. So now, um, festival of tabernacles has come. And Jesus' brothers say to him, you know, leave Galilee, go to Judea. Your disciples there, whether it was the disciples who were with him in Galilee had gone down already, or the, you know, I'm sure Jesus had made disciples in Judea already at the, at the other feasts. <clears throat> and uh, so, so we answered so that your disciples there may, may see the works you're doing. And, and listen to this. No one who wants to become a f- public figure 
acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, all these wonderful works, these healings, these miracles, these teachings, the feedings of thousands, you know, whatnot, since you're doing these things, go show yourself to the world. Right? And this is pretty good advice, right? For someone who wants to, who, who wants to become a public figure, you know, go show yourself to the world. You just think of um, the presidential debates going on down in the States right now, right? And these the candidates make their way around to all the different states because they want to show themselves to the states, right? How big of a clown he is, and sorry. Um, and one right? and they have their special states that they want that they, they make sure that they hit right because those, those those are the important states and this is like the big cities this is like the, the Jerusalem right go down Jerusalem that's where their their disciples are to show themselves so this is what the brothers are saying and it sounds like good advice but John tells us that they said these things mockingly maliciously you know for even his own brothers did not believe in him I don't think. Um, his brothers wanted him to go down there with the intent that the Jews were going to kill him. I don't think his brothers were perhaps aware of that plot. But it's just interesting that his brothers, you know, if you think about it, his, bro- his own brothers did not believe in him. You know, you have to ask yourself, why not? Did Mary and Joseph, did their parents not tell them about Gabriel the angel, right? The manifestation, the prophecies, the promise, uh, the, the shepherds who, who came to, the, to, to the, uh, the stable and talked about the angels and then the magi coming from the east. Do the brothers not know about this? I'm sure they do, but still they don't believe in all the things he's been doing and he's, the scripture has been fulfilling and still they don't believe. Isn't that just amazing? You know, and for us as, uh, as Christians, it's, um, it helps to understand, you know, because we, there are Christian families here amongst us and, and around the world who, you know, you have Christian parents who's, who, with children who don't believe, or only one or two children, or maybe only one of the parents is a Christian, the other, the other one's not. And, uh, you know, it doesn't make sense. You know, the gospel's in the house all the time. And, um, you know, they have the revelation and, and uh, that, um, but it's just wonderful, or not wonderful, but it's, we see that Jesus himself suffered this thing. So we should not be amazed that these things happen even in our, in our Christian homes. Another lesson we could take from this actually is um, just because you live in a Christian home doesn't mean you're a Christian, right? Just because your parents are Christian and, and you don't believe, doesn't mean that, you know, when that day comes and you stand before God and God says, why should I let you into my kingdom? You know, because my parents were believers is not going to cut it, right? Closeness to God or, or closeness to family members who believe is not salvation. Therefore, Jesus told them, my time has not yet come. It's not yet here. It's not my time to show myself to the world. It's not here. But you can go any time. You know, Jesus is saying, you know, you're worldly people. You can go to the world. The world won't hate you. The world will accept you. But you know what? The world hates me because I, uh, I testify that the works are evil. You go to the festival. I'm not yet going up to the festival because my time has not yet fully come. So Jesus stays in Galilee, and his brothers go to the feast, and then Jesus goes up secretly himself. And it says, and Jesus, uh, and Jesus started teaching midway through the, the uh, festival. So I don't, I don't think Jesus stayed in Galilee till the middle of the festival, since, for, since 
until the middle of the festival. I think Jesus went down at the beginning by himself. And I, would, I like to think, I would think that Jesus took part of the Feast of Tabernacles, right? That Jesus would have stayed, stayed in the booths, right? Staying in the booths was, was a time of reflection for the Hebrews to remember that their ancestors stayed in booths after coming, uh, that, that, you know, that wonderful exodus where God brought them out of slavery and they, and they lived in booths and now the, the Hebrews are there staying in booths, reflecting on what uh, their ancestors went through after coming out of slavery, reflecting on the providence of God, reflecting on the, the disobedience of their ancestors because they were there for 40 years. There was no need for that and they had to live in booths when they could have been living in the promised land. So wonderful things for, for them to think of and, and believe Jesus did the same thing. Jesus in the booth reflecting, but Jesus would have been reflecting on, you know, I was that pillar of smoke by day. I was that pillar of fire of that night that led the Hebrews through the wilderness of that time. You know, I walked by Moses when he was in the cleft. I talked to Moses into the tent. In the tent, as a friend, the scripture says that they talked as Moses and the Lord spoke as friends would speak. And Moses' face would shine. And I could picture Jesus in one of the tabernacles, one of the booths, reflecting on these things. You know, and then looking at the leaves, and as the days go on, the leaves start to turn green and stuff, and just thinking, you know, the, the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the God endures forever. And Jesus thinking that, you know, that's me. I'm, I'm the incarnate word of God, and, you know, I'm eternal. I've come to give eternal life to the people. So just wonderful things to think about in, this, in the gospel that, that aren't really um, given, but the, that we can think of, think of, that we can pick out from between the, the lines here. So now halfway through the festival, Jesus starts teaching in the temple. I think Jesus waited so that uh, you know, um, the joy of the festival would, 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 con- uh, would take place, would continue. He didn't want to be a distraction to, to the, fest- to the uh, festival. And we see that, um, and he, he would have been, because the Jewish leaders were asking, you know, right from the day one, where is he, where is he? They were, they were expecting Jesus to come up. And no doubt the, the Jewish leaders had their spies throughout the thousands looking for him, right? They had the, the, the lawyers out there waiting to, to catch him in, in a trap, testing him with, with things of the law. And then we see at the end of the chapter that uh, the, um, the temple guards were there, right? The, the religious leaders would have had them ready to, to, arrest, to arrest Jesus. But Jesus waited, waited till the midway. <clears throat> then he began to teach. And he said, where, where does this man get his teachings? Sorry, let me find my spot here. So a lot of talk about him. He is a good man. No, he deceives the people. No one would say anything publicly for fear of the leaders, right? And we see this in other, when Jesus heals the blind man and the, the Jewish leaders call the blind man's parents, right? Is this your son? And the parents were, were afraid to say anything because they didn't want to be kicked out of the synagogue. So that was a, a common well-known thing in Jerusalem, in Judea at that time. So the Jews were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having been taught? Now, this is a huge question, right? This is a uh, rabbinical question, right? Because back in those days, it was considered, it's actually in, in the Talmud now, that a person who, even though they study the scriptures, if they, if they are not learned from a rabbinic philo- uh, a scholar, they're considered not, not understanding. They're a curse. We see this at the end of the chapter. Where the religious leaders talk about the people from Galilee, they don't they don't know the law. They're cursed, right? They, you know they say that, they say to Nicodemus, "Are you from Galilee too?" So they're asking Jesus. So they're asking, "Where does this guy get this learning?" Not really. How does he how, how does he 
know the the law, how, how, is it, how do you have it memorized? But his teachings, right? His interpretations of the law. Where did this man get these teachings? Having never been taught, he never went to, went to rabbinical school. He never sat, under the, sat at the feet of, of uh, Gamaliel like Paul did and stuff. So if this guy is teaching on his own, then he must be a lunatic. He must be lying. He's deceiving the people, right? That's what he's saying. He has a demon. That's what they mean. That if, when they say that person has a demon, they're either saying, well, he's deceived himself and he's deceiving other people, or they're strictly saying, or they're really saying he is possessed by a demon because of what he's saying, you know, it's not from God, it's, it's from Satan. But Jesus' answer is amazing. He says, my, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. My teaching is not my own. So this is what they're accusing him of, of being his own teaching. He says, no, it's not my own teaching. It comes from the one who sent me. And then Jesus gives us two ways of identifying that his teachings are not his own. He says, anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. So he's saying, search the scriptures. You want to know the will of God? How do you know, how do you want, how do you know the will of God? Is you search the scriptures. Jesus says, if you search the scriptures, you will know that my teachings, my interpretations of the law are true. They're not lunacy. I'm not making them up. I'm not deceiving the people. Search the scriptures. You will know that I'm true. And we see this when Jesus in uh, Matthew 5, right? The Sermon on the Mount, after he gives the Beatitudes, before he starts his, his interpretations of the law, Jesus says, I have not come to destroy or abolish the law. I've come to fulfill it. Right? I'm not, I've not come to give you false teachings. I've come to show you the proper way of interpreting the law. And he says, and, and if your righteousness does not exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of God. Meaning that, they're, that, that the interpretation of the scribes and Pharisees, that's false. Their righteousness is false. What they are doing. Jesus, right in Matthew 23, observe what they tell you to observe, but do not do what they do, Jesus tells his disciples. Then at, then at the end of his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, um, whoever takes these teachings of mine and does them is like a man who builds a house on the rock, right? When the rains come down and the water goes and the wind swoops, sweeps sideways, their house will stand. Jesus is saying that my interpretations, my teachings are so founded on the word of God that if you do them, you will not stumble. You will not sin because my word, my teachings are based on the word of God. Everything about the law is about Jesus. I say everything true and I do everything that is truth. Matthew 11 is it's a wonderful scripture there. I just want to turn there. Right at the end of, the end of chapter, uh, chapter 11 of Matthew. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, my interpretation, and take my teachings upon you, and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, my teaching is easy, and my burden is light. While we're in Matthew 11, I just want to point something out here. There's something fascinating. Well, we all, we all know it, right? When John the Baptist, who's in prison, sends his disciples to Jesus, and says, are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Right? And we're all amazed at that, right? 
like John, like almost two years before this, was proclaiming Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away this sin in the world. And I was questioning. And Jesus says, go back and tell John the things that you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who <clears throat> have leprosy are cleansed, and the, and the dead, um, sorry, and the, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on my account. That's the NIV. I think uh, was it the King James has, um, or New King James has, blessed are those who are not offended because of me, right? The Greek word there is scandalized. Blessed are you if you are not shocked and horrified by what I am teaching. And he's saying this to John, because John's not understanding. John's right, expecting the coming Messiah. To, he's expecting the coming kingdom for Jesus to set up the throne of God you know, in, in, uh, in Jerusalem. And these things aren't happening. happening. But Jesus says, tell John, look around and see. Scripture is being fulfilled. I am fulfilling Scripture. And it reminds me of um, in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus reads from the book of, book of Isaiah in the synagogue there in Nazareth. Or let me fill my, find my sister. Okay, so Jesus stands up and he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to, to, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind and set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were upon him and began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Right? Jesus is saying, These, these things are written of me. I'm here to fulfill them. Interesting thought. I, wanna, I just wanted to touch on this. A lot of people take this verse here and say, that he rolled up the scroll, and some interpretations have it that he closed the book and gave it back to the attendants. And they say, you know, Jesus closed the book at this part point in, in the reading of Isaiah because the next verse Jesus did not come to fulfill yet. Well, what's the next verse? It says, okay, so, um, I've come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then the next verse, which is not included in there, it says, I've come to proclaim... Um, I've come to proclaim the day of the vengeance of God. People say, well, Jesus closed the book there because that's not what he's come to done yet. That's later on. I don't agree with that. Because the next verse says that he's come to comfort all who mourn. That sounds familiar, right? Where is that? That's the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. When? When the kingdom of God has come. Has the kingdom of God come? Yes, Jesus has ushered in the kingdom of God. So if the, king, so if the kingdom of God has come and Jesus has come to comfort, uh, to comfort those who mourn and he has come to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, has he not come to proclaim the, the day of vengeance of God? When? Where? On who? Was it not Jesus who in the garden prayed, Lord, if this cup this cup of your wrath, if this the cup of your vengeance cannot be taken away from me, nevertheless, your will be done. Nevertheless, that which is written of me be done. Was it not Jesus who cried out from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Has the day of God's vengeance come? It has. It was poured out on Jesus Christ. Poured out on our Savior. Isn't that what Isaiah 53 is all about? 
right? Our sin was laid upon him. Our, the stripes of our healing was upon him. He was crushed by God. He was cursed. The things in his scripture and the law are written about Jesus. Sorry. 11.54 already. Okay, so Jesus says, um, talk about his teaching. So he said, okay, search the scriptures, you'll see that my, that my teachings are not my own, but from him who sent me. And he says, also, um, whoever seeks on his own does not gain, uh, uh, does so to, be, to gain personal glory, but he who seeks glory to the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false in him. And this, we see this throughout, this throughout the Gospels. Jesus constant, constantly, constantly saying, I have not come to glorify myself, I have come to glorify him who sent me. My teachings are not my own, they, they are of his who sent me. The, my works are not my own, they are of him who sent me. Jesus did not come to glorify himself, but to glorify the Father. And what, what does glory mean? It, it, um, it, it, it's what you have, right? It's what a person has. It's who they are, right? It's their glory. So when you glorify somebody, you're telling them about who this person is, all they have. I think of um, God showed his glory to Isaiah, right? Isaiah chapter 6 in, in the throne room and all of this, uh, the, the angels flying around or, or Satan even when he tempted Jesus. Says, look, takes him up in the high place and says, look at all the kingdoms of the world. You know, like, this is my glory. This is what I have. And it could be yours if you bow down and worship me. So Jesus is saying that all I've been doing is I've been revealing the Father to you. From the beginning, I've been revealing the Father. And what's the ultimate revelation of God? It's the cross, isn't it? The ultimate revelation of God's love of God's grace, of God's mercy, of God's holiness, all in the cross. Right? That John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his Son. There's the revelation of God's love, of God for his people. I have to move on. These last few, few verses are, are interesting. So, so Jesus kind of uh, turns, turns things around here. Verse 19. So they're accusing him of his teaching. And then Jesus says, Has not Moses given you the law, yet not one of you keeps the law? Why are you trying to kill me? You are demon-possessed, the crowd says. Like, you're deceived. Who is trying to kill you? So you have, you have the crowds there who are not aware. They're saying, what? Who's trying to kill you? But then you have the Jews there who are trying to kill him. And they know. And, and Jesus says, Why are you trying to kill me? And they say, Who's trying to kill you? We're not trying to kill you. But, you know, they're, they're lying. Like you see Nicodemus kind of... Kind of if you understand, if you know the scripture, the rest of the chapter, you know what I'm talking about with Nicodemus. Um, you are demon-possessed. Jesus said to them, I did one miracle, and you're all amazed. This is the miracle of, of uh, healing the man <clears throat> by the pool in Jerusalem. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, you circumcise a boy on the Sabbath. Now if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a man, uh, man's whole body on the Sabbath? Okay, so to, to understand this, so they're accusing Jesus of breaking the law by healing on the Sabbath, right? For, for doing works. They're accusing him of doing works on the Sabbath by healing. And, and, and Jesus says, okay, but 
you circumcise a child on the Sabbath, right? If he, uh, right on, if he, a child is born on the eighth day, he has to be circumcised. So to keep the law, even though that eighth day is on the Sabbath, they still circumcise it, circumcise that boy, right? It's not considered work. It's not considered breaking the law because they're fulfilling the law of Moses by circumcising this boy, right? That's Jesus' argument. So Jesus is saying, so if that's not considered the breaking law, if that's not considered work, why are you accusing me of doing work by healing this person? And what he is saying is, to understand this, think of um, Jesus' uh, story of um, the Good Samaritan. Right? This, this uh, expert in the law, law comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, what's your understanding of it? You know, what's your understanding of the law? What does it say? And the, man, uh, the lawyer says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, that's right. You go do that and you will live. So then the man wanting to justify, justify himself says, oh, well, who's my neighbor? Right? And we all know the story, right? The man leaves Jer- uh, Jerusalem heading to Jericho. He gets smug. He gets beaten, beaten next to de- near to death. He's lying there like a dead man. And a priest and a Levite come by and because they, 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 they serve in the temple, they would be unclean if they touched this man. So they keep on walking, right? They're keeping the law by doing that, right? But then, but then <clears throat> the Samaritan man comes along and he helps the man, right? Pour, pours, pours oil and wine on his wounds, puts him on his horse, brings him to town, sets him up in, in a room and takes care of him. So then Jesus asks, who is this man's neighbor? And what does, what does the lawyer respond? Anybody know? It is the man who showed him, what's the word? Mercy, right. This man is fulfilling the law. He's loving his neighbor. So Jesus is saying, see what I'm doing by healing this man on the Sabbath. I'm keeping the law. Because I am showing him mercy. I am loving my neighbor. I'm loving the Lord my God with all my heart by loving this man. So Jesus says, don't accuse me of breaking the law when I'm fulfilling the law by showing mercy to to, to that man who is by the pool. I am showing mercy to the world by going to the cross. I'm showing mercy to the poor, to, to those in Galilee that you Pharisees say who are cursed. I'm showing mercy to the tax collector, to you who Pharisees say, I'm grateful that I'm not like him. I'm showing mercy to you Pharisees who reject me. I'm showing mercy to the world. Jesus is showing mercy to everybody here by dying on the cross, by loving you as he loved himself by fulfilling the law, by loving the Lord his God with all his heart, strength, and mind. Heavenly Father, how can we say thanks? The voices of a million angels cannot express our gratitude, Lord Father, for what you have done in our lives, for, Father, for revealing yourself to us. Jesus says, no one knows the, the, the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and he to whom Jesus is willing to reveal him. This is not an exclusive claim, Lord Jesus. You are willing to reveal the Father to everyone. That's why you died on the cross for the world, that that you may reveal the Father to everyone. And whoever believes in him 
shall not perish, have everlasting life. We thank you, Lord Father, uh, Lord Jesus, for fulfilling the law and all that you did, fulfilling the law in your life and fulfill, for fulfilling the law in your death. And we just thank you that we are baptized into your death, into your burial, into your resurrection, that now we have newness of life in him. We praise you and give you glory in the name of Jesus. Amen.